MCBI Labs. So what have we got in store for you this week? Well, this week on our NCBI Labs live event, we're going to do something that we haven't really done so much so far, uh, something that's maybe a little bit more of a specialist subject than usual. But even so, it'll be of interest to, to a lot of people out there. We're going to be looking at Braille technology throughout the show today. Now, for some, Braille is an absolute lifesaver and it can make such an impact on their lives that it's it's right for us to maybe give it a, a little bit of time in our live event on its own today. For others, maybe it doesn't sound as appealing immediately. Maybe you've never felt a particular need to look into it, but and maybe you, you don't imagine needing it at any point, but actually you might find it interesting just getting a little bit more information about what can be done, how versatile this kind of technology is. So we're going to look at uh, three particular devices today. We're going to be looking at the Focus 40, the Braille Note Touch and the Orbit Reader 20. And uh, we're going to be able to listen to some demos of each of those uh, particular devices. And we're also going to be looking at Braille library services uh, throughout the day. And we're delighted to have a, a number of guests through the show. We're going to have Karul O'Mara and Donald Fitzpatrick, both experienced Braille display users, will be giving us a walkthrough on a couple of those devices. And Carol Byrne will be joining us a little bit later to talk about the Braille library service. So they'll be joining some of our regulars, JP, Sean, myself, and we have Brian Manning with us here this week as well. First though, let's welcome Brian to the show. Um, Brian, you're very welcome back again. Thanks. I hope I pronounced your your name right there. I, I, it wasn't Brian the Brain Manning, was it? I had something down there on my notes here. I hope you, I got your full title right. That's a Freudian slip, dude, that a lot of people meet or make when they meet me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that before they get to know you or after they get it's to know very, you? Very, very much before they get to know me. <laughs> very, very much before they get to know me. Let's let's very quickly get off uh, nicknames before it gets uncomfortable. Um, before, before we hear about some of the braille, braille technology, I'm doing it again, before we talk about some of the braille technology out there, Brian, can you just kind of set the scene for us a little bit and maybe tell us a bit of the kind of concept behind some of the tech that we're going to be discussing? Well, basically, well, as it implies braille, to, uh, digital braille technology, it's about the technology of braille production, particularly when it comes to more computerized braille devices. I mean, when I started learning braille first back in the 70s, the late 70s, we had the conventional Perkins braille machine, which was for all of the world, very similar to a, um, a manual typewriter. It was a manual braille device for the production of, of, of braille. And from the late 90s on, we, we had the shift very much into Braille technology to the development of these Braille note-takers. For example, at the 20 years ago, at the turn of the millennium, we had the Millennium Braille note-taker. And there were some, there were very similar devices out there at the, 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 at the time. And these were self-contained Braille devices. They had speech included. They had a Braille uh, display, usually of around 20 cell braille, a 20 cell Braille display, which produced what was ever being written or what was being read on a braille display and it had 
different features like word processors that had an, they would have had an email server, they would have had a very basic uh, web browsing facilities. They'd have had things then, obviously, like dictionaries, you know, stopwatches, etc. You know, utilities such as that. Mm -hmm. I suppose the big development for me, actually, when it comes to these digital note takers, would have been the Braille Polaris because a lot of these note takers were being used in educational settings for kids learning Braille and things like that in school as much as anything for professionals, obviously working in office environments. But what the Braille sense introduced was an LCD display, which yeah. brought into the classroom for the first time the ability of, of a teacher or of an SNA or of a parent to read what the child was producing in Braille, but through the LCD display, the parent or the SNA or the teacher, as I say, was reading that was reading the Braille in text format. So for the first time, in, in so far as I'm aware anyway, the person didn't need uh, to learn to know Braille, to be able to interact with a child that was using Braille. Um, again, um, and that, I mean, the Braille Polaris, we have the Braille Polaris now, which would have been um, a follow-on to the Braille Sense, and that very much is very much still the device, the Braille note-taker device that's being used in education all over the country today. And again, that had a particular resonance as well. The LCD display had a very resonance, and it was very... Um, supportive of well of people who are deafblind using these devices and we're going to talk more about deafblind people and the importance of digital braille for that very important cohort of people in the next hour or so. Um, and then I suppose corresponding with the development of these note takers we had uh, the emergence of braille displays, dedicated braille displays and you'd had 80 cell braille displays, 40 cell and more recently we've had smaller 14 or 20 cell braille displays and I suppose the value of these displays was that it enabled the Braille user to connect to a Windows device or an Apple Mac and for to have what was ever on the screen of those of, of the, the Windows device, for example, through the screen reader, uh, through drivers on the screen reader to present on a Braille display what was on the screen. So, for example, if a person was reading an email, then the Braille would have come up on the Braille display or if a person was reading a website, whatever, that that text emerged on the Braille display. And I suppose the most important uh, step progression in the whole area of, of these Braille displays was the emergence or their, their use of Bluetooth technology. So what this then enabled the uh, Braille display owner or the Braille display user to do was to connect through Bluetooth technology to various mobile devices such as, you know, your Apple iPhone or your Android. So now for the first time a number of years ago, using, we just said the Focus 40 Blue or the Focus 40, uh, 14 Blue, it enabled the Braille user to connect to the iPhone and have everything read or echoed or mirrored whatever was on the iPhone screen or the Android screen through the um, through the, um, the the Braille display, which again opened up significantly more more uh, doors for uh, Braille users or for blind and vision impaired people. And I suppose where where the the strengths of these two different types of devices combined, the the note takers and the the Braille displays, was a lot of these note takers. Now, for example, the Polaris or the Braille Note Touch, they would have included in their design now uh, what we call terminal screen reading technology, and that enables them to be connected again to your iOS device or to your Android or to your you know your Windows, your Apple Mac to be connected to be used not simply as note takers but as dedicated braille displays as well 
So you'd have your you'd have your internal braille display for the note taker, but you would also have it doubled as a, a dedicated braille display for your iPhone, for example. So what was on your iPhone, what is on your iPhone, your emails, etc., can be read um, using uh, this terminal screen technology, terminal technology on the um, on the, the the braille display. So I suppose that's just a brief chronology. <laughs> in my experience of these different devices. Yeah, that's brilliant. And that kind of sets the scene for us very nicely because clearly we're talking about something that's uh, it's in, an important development in technology. And as we look at some of these devices, we'll see some of the versatility of uh, these devices as well. Thanks very much for that, Brian. I know you've been working on a, a couple of the audio demonstrations, so we're going to go straight into the first one now, actually. So this is the, the Focus 40, courtesy of Brian Manning. So, right, lads, I have in front of me here the Focus 40 Braille display, okay? But I could just physically describe the um, display. And essentially, it's, it's a 40 cell display, which means that it is, 40, it's capable of producing 40 cells of Braille, okay? It's about to just literally the, the width or the length of a laptop. So, if that gives you an idea as the actual physical dimension of it. Now, on top of it, we have a conventional QWERTY Braille keyboard. So, we have the six traditional braille dots, we've dots one, two, and three, four, five, and six. And they're separated to, for the world, to, to imagine that they're separated by the space bar. Now the space bar on this device is actually lower than what we call the braille, the, the actual braille cells themselves, but it still does act as a divider between the dots one and dot four. Now to the left of dot three, we have dot seven, which, and it's, standard to most electronic note takers or keyboards and that seven with all of these uh, keyboard layouts is doubles usually as the backspace and can be it has different functions in combination with the space bar for example and to the right of that six we have that eight and again that usually uh, doubles as a, an enter key or a return key and again with other keyboards key uh, combinations such as the um, space bar and that eight it can carry other functions as well now, for the purposes of this demonstration, the spacebar, when used in conjunction with another one of these dots, is called chord. So, for example, chord A is spacebar on dot one. Chord B is spacebar dot one two. Chord C would be spacebar dot one and four, etc. Okay, and all of the abbreviations—not all of the abbreviations, but a lot of the braille grade two abbreviations are included in that. So, for example, chord one. Four, five, six, which would be th in contracted braille. It's 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 a um it's a scroll uh, keyboard function. So, for example, if you're in your contacts on your iPhone and you do core th, then it scrolls down the page of contacts. If you're in your music, you know, uh, chord four, five, six, which would be chord the number symbol will scroll up uh, the, the page of contacts or page of music. So, the, basically, the point I'm getting across here is that that space bar in conjunction with various um, with various combinations of those dots will double as an actual keyboard function or keyboard circle as we would know it through Windows. Okay, so that, 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 that's basically the top of the of the uh, braille display. Now, just under the um, just under the actual uh, dots one two three four five six, we have the most important part of this particular device, which is the actual braille cells. Okay, and as I say, you have. Uh, Freedom Scientific have produced a number of um, 
a number of, of Braille displays in, these, in the suite, the Focus suite. So you have the Focus 80, the Focus 40, for example, you have the Focus 14. And the main difference between these different devices is the number of cells that they, that they support. So the Focus 80, for example, will support 80 cells of Braille, the Focus 40 supports 40 cells of Braille, and the Focus 14 supports how many, can you guess, 14 cells of Braille. And the reason why they're called the Focus 80 Blue, the Focus 40 Blue, the Focus 14 Blue, is that the Blue indicates that they can connect to Bluetooth to your various devices, such as your smartphones, your tablets, etc. So just above the 40 cells of Braille, we have what we call cursor routers. And that basically means that each cell has its own cursor router, and they're uniquely valuable when it comes to an editing. So for example, if you're editing an email, you're writing an email using your, your Braille display, and you come across a mistake that you made in the writing. So for example, you can arrow up to the line of writing where you know your mistake is. You can press the, the cursor router key to the right of the, the, the misplaced letter, we say. So if you want to spell Brian, B-R-I-A-N, and you misspelled B-P-I-A-N. Then if you bring the cursor over ahead of the P and you press 7 to backspace the, the P and type in R, and that, 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 um, that, that serves as a great editing tool. So that's what the cursor routers are for. Now, to the left and to the right of the actual Braille display to the Braille cells, you have the, um, the whizzy wheels, the, the left wheel and the right wheel. Now, again, I'm going to demonstrate all of these very, very shortly, just giving you a quick run-through of the actual physical makeup of the display now. But the right whizzy, uh, whizzy wheel, what that serves as, it serves as a moving up and moving down through the different options. So if I'm on, we just said the iPhone, which I'm using here for demonstrational purposes. If I'm on the iPhone, if I press the down right, the, the, the right whizzy wheel down, it brings me down. I'm just going to actually let you hear it here now. So, so I'm on the audible set here. So the arrow down with the right arrow, the right moving key. Salesforce files are teed, moves. So, okay, so I can hear it through voiceover, but I can also read it on the Braille display. So I'm actually reading here now, say all. Okay, so if I add it again. So, measure. Amazon Alexa. Amazon Alexa, great friend of all of us, about Amazon Alexa. So I'm hearing you through voiceover, and I'm actually reading it on the Braille display, each app as I, as I cycle down through it using my rubber key, my right, um, my right whizzy wheel key. Um, again, the left whizzy wheel key serves as, as again, because we're using the iPhone for that for this demonstration, the right, the left whizzy wheel key brings us down through the rotor. So for example, if I my rotor set to headings, and I uh, and I come down with the whizzy wheel key, it brings me down to head, from heading to heading to heading. If I have the rotor set, for example, to reading a character at a time, then as I as I arrow down with the left whizzy wheel key, it'll bring me down to the word I'm on, or the sentence I'm on, a letter at a time. So, for example, if I was in a newspaper, which I'll go shortly, and I wanted to read a newspaper on the, uh, newspaper, uh, the, the phone number on the newspaper, I would bring my cursor to the phone number itself, move the rotor to characters, and then left, or, yeah, left arrow down, and I would hear each character being announced for me by voiceover, a letter at a time. Above each of the right and left, 
uh, WYSIWYG keys, I have select buttons, which again will just double, for example, as the enter key. So if I'm on RT player, so if I'm on the RT player and I want to press the, I want to go into it, I can just press the right or the left select button above each of these WYSIWYG keys and wheels keys, and it'll bring me into it. Now if I just come down under the actual, the, the actual edge, the front edge of the device, okay, go from, okay, I have the left scan button, and to the extreme right of that, I have the right scan button. And what that essentially means is, by virtue of the fact that it's a 40 cell display, it means if I'm reading an email, it will bring up the, the display, will read the first 40 uh, braille letters of the email in braille characters for me. But obviously, most sentences will have more than 40 characters or letters. So if I pan right, if I press the right pan button, it'll bring me to the next 40 characters and the next 40 characters. And if I want to go back over anything I've read, I just hit the left pan button and it'll bring me to, to the previous 40 characters and the left pan again will bring me to the previous 40 characters again. Now, again, don't worry too much. I'll demonstrate that very shortly for you. If I can just move in, if I move in from left and from the right, I have the two rocker keys. I have the right rocker key and the left rocker key. Now, for example, the left rocker key, what that means is it's very simple, similar to what I alluded to a while ago where I was using chord TH, okay, to scroll down a page of songs in my music um, my music library or for example contacts in my uh, phone in my phone contacts the left rocker button does the exact same as that so if i if, when i'm in my contacts for example if i scroll down with that left rocker button it brings me down a page of contacts i just scroll on again and it brings me down another page of contacts again if i scroll up with that rocker button it brings me up a page at a time the right rocker button again it's very similar to the chord o or to the chord o w using the, the Perkins layout. So for example, if I'm on, for example, right now I'm on, I have five pages of, you know, of apps on my iPhone. So if I want to move from page four to page five, I can just scroll up with my right my right rocker. Page three of five. Shogun. Page two of five. And if I want to come down, I just press, I press down. Emails. Page three of five. Page four of five. Audible. Okay. Page five of so that's just scrolling me up and down through the different um, to the different screens on my iPhone, my iPad, my Android device, whichever, okay? So now, um, again, just in from the, the two of those, from the two rocker buttons on the left and the right, I have two round selector buttons again, okay? So the left selector button, for example, it's a round button and it doubles as the back button or it doubles as, if you want to think of it for all the world, it's the escape button. So for example, if I'm in an email and I want to come back from, after reading the email, I can just press that round scroll button on the front edge of the device and it'll bring me back. If I'm in an app and I want to come back a page, just press that scroll button and it'll bring me back. Again, um, the right round selector button, which is again on the front of the of the um, device. Okay, if I want to press that, okay, so for example, if I'm reading newspaper and the phone rings, the iPhone rings, if I press that, it answers the phone. It simulates or a double, it, it simulates the double, two finger double tap gesture on the iPhone. So, and then if I answer my call, have a chat, and I want to end the call or hang up, I just press that button again and it hangs up the call. So, for example, if I'm in Spotify or if I'm in some kind of a media app and I'm just at Spotify and I'm listening to music and I want the music to pause, 
because the doorbell rings, we said, we just press that button and just take the two finger double tap or pause the playing of the music. This will do the same. Or if I'm reading my Audible book and I want to pause it, I can just press that button, same as the two finger double tap and pause the book. But the nice thing about it is no matter where you are, again, it could be hours later, if you want to press that, I'm just going to try it down on the press and you're going to find out what last I was listening to. So I just press that button. It's like double tapping on, two finger double tapping on the phone. I'm just listen to what happens. So, so now you know that I'm a fan of the water boys. Okay, so there are the main buttons actually on the braille display itself. Okay, so we just said I want to go and read the newspaper, okay? So I'm going to read the, uh, the Irish Examiner because it's very, very good um, text only based by a newspaper, okay? So the first, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to move to page three. To bring the move to page three because um, page three is where I know the Irish Examiner is. But just before I do that, actually, that's if I could just show you some of, some of the read to, to um, show you some more of those chord um, features. So for example, if I want to go to the status area of my iPhone, I can just press chord S. And then I can just use my right chord, my right wizzy wing button to move to the status area. Mobile 3, 14, 16, 49. Orientation, 61%, 61%. So for example, 61% to the back people are left on the iPhone. So I'm just going to do chord H to come home. Okay, so now I'm back on my screens, I'm on my emails there, for example. Okay, if I wanted to, so I have, this is a Braille display. So if I wanted to have everything exclusively sent back to me in Braille, and with no uh, voiceover feedback, I can just do chord M for mute. So it's going to do it there now. Page three of five. Speech off. So I just a and there's a noise speech off. So no, I can just use the Braille display to navigate through the through the iPhone for everything. So now I'm just on FaceTime. So now I'm on calculator. So now I want to move over to page three. So I'm just going to use the, I'm not going to use the chords actually. So I'm just going to use chord O, which is um, chord one, uh, chord two, four, six. And that's brought me over to page four. So now I can just scroll down until I read Irish Examiner on the actual Braille. I'm just going to let you hear it again though for the purposes of, of this demonstration. So I'm going to do chord M again, okay? So I'm just going to come down and find Irish Examiner. Calendar. Oh, there, no, sorry, just going to go home. Home, mail, 11 on page 3 of 5. So it's going to come down here on a shortcut. So going to scroll down with the right key to get to the examiner. Folder, audible, store, journal, text only vertical. I'm going to press, going to press the right uh, row button above the right rock or the right and whizzy wing for the, to open that. So that's open there now for me as we can hear. So now I... I want to go to the headings because I want to go to, we said the sports heading, okay? So I'm going to move the rotor to headings, okay, for my iPhone. So to do that using the Braille, using the Perkins, often I'm going to do chord two and three until I hear headings, okay? So chord two and three will move the headings uh, clockwise and chords five and six will move it anti-clockwise. Control, Containers, language, speaking rate. I'm going to go back, I'm going to use chord five and six to come back to headings. Language, container, headings. Okay, so now I want I want the headings wrote, I wrote on the headings now, that's my option. So I'm going to do, use my left scroll note to the headings, so. Web page, 
of the, the, the voiceover feedback for me. So again, I finished that, and so I can just press my home button, so which is chord H. And I'm back here, so I can select to do something else. And if I wanted to close everything down, I can just do my chord H twice quickly. Switch. The app switcher. So I just scroll up on my right um, Wizzy wheel now again. Teams, and I can just close that. I'm just doing it all. I just, so I'm just closing everything. And yeah, and I'm just back to Teams there. So basically, last week we were kind of quite limited with time. So that was just an overall, if quick, demonstration of the functionality in the layout of the Focus 40 and using the different functions. It's like any other IT system, essentially. You can do anything, anything you can do on it. There are at least three different ways to do it. So you can, you know, you can move from screen to screen in at least three different ways. You can move up and down through your characters two or three different ways. You can, you know, for example, get into an app two or three different ways. Again, it is huge functionality and it is really, really good. Um, and it's easily set up on your Android. For example, to go through the steps of setting it up on your uh, iPhone, you go to settings, go to settings, to accessibility, go from accessibility to voiceover, from voiceover to braille, from braille down to choose a braille display. You select it, you'll see the Focus 40 Braille display, R80, R4800. You select it, it lasts for two pair. The usual pair pin number is 0000. So you type in zero, you use your iPhone, you type in the four zeros. And uh, to the top left of the iPhone screen, you're going to find pair buttons, and that should pair the that should pair the, um, the device. Now, one note from this is it's important if you want to the braille display to remember the that is paired or that is connected to the um, to the uh, Fox Party, just close the screen. Just make sure the screen on the your iPhone closes before you actually turn off the Fox Party, and remember to turn the Fox Party on before you open the screen of the iPhone again. That way, the iPhone and the focus, uh, or the focus device will remember that it's paired. And that's it. Any questions, just contact NCBI and we'd be more than happy to, to help you out. So that was Corkman and Waterboys fan Brian Manning taking us through that demonstration of the Focus 40. But don't let any of that put you off because we're going to move swiftly on to uh, another demonstration that Brian has put together. And this time he's joined by Donald Fitzpatrick as he's talking about the Braille Note Touch device. experience with and that you've been using for the past while. So um, could you give us an idea of the layout of the actual device? Sure, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to chat to you. Um, so the Braille Note Touch device is um, it's an interesting one because what, what HumanWare have decided to do is they have decided to actually merge uh, a tablet, if you like, a, 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 a touchscreen tablet and a, a, a Braille keyboard. Um, I first saw this at the CSUN conference a couple of years ago. So what you get when you when you open it is it's it's a rectangular device essentially, and along the left hand side uh, you have left hand edge. You've got the power. Um, socket which is charges by USB-C which is great because it means that if you lose your cable you just go into a shop and buy a USB-C cable and just, just, just plug it in which is it's a standardized charger which is great then you've got the on off button a couple of volume controls and that's all on the left edge on the back of the device you've got various 
you know, plugs and sockets. So you've got things like USBs, uh, you know, perfectly normal USB. You've got, uh, uh, you've got, um, what else have you got at the back of it? You've got an SD card slot on the back of it for popping in your, you know, any ebooks or anything else you want to read. The right hand edge then is where you have all of your media controls, your your microphone, your headphone socket, your play record button, all, all that kind of thing. The meat of the device obviously is on top of it. And they've kept this really simple. So you've got eight braille keys to, to type on and a space bar. And that's it. That's the only buttons you have on the top of the device. Then below that, you've got your Braille display. It's got 32 um, cells of, uh, of Braille. And above those, you have a cursor routing button. So it's a very simple device. That's, that's when you take it out. However, the Braille keyboard is, if you like, it's like a flap. So on the left hand side, you flip it up and underneath that is a touchscreen. And it's, for all the world of me, it feels like a perfectly normal tablet. And what you can do there is you can use gestures or you can basically place your fingers on the touchscreen in order to type Braille. So what you do to actually type Braille on the touchscreen is you, you, you plunk your 10 fingers down, which calibrates it, and then you essentially write your Braille on that particular on the screen. It's very, very nice. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's an experience, I won't lie, that takes a bit of getting used to because you've got to calibrate it when you want to start typing Braille. If you lift your fingers up, you've got to put them back on to calibrate it. Um, it's a very interesting approach because, again, a lot of people would use Braille input on certain of the iPhones. So this, this the, the technique that they're actually using won't come as a surprise to a lot of people. I personally use the keyboard more than the, 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 the Braille touch and that's because I'm old and I just I, I, I'm used to the tactile feel of pressing buttons so that's me uh, I tend to use the keyboard more than the, the, the touch screen I think that's again, a common experience though isn't it though a lot of people initially are finding it kind of a bit awkward I suppose to, to get used once once the screen is calibrated to get used to the, the actual Braille layout and, and, yeah. and typing out the Braille characters I think but again as you indicated I mean once you what you're used to, what you get rid of practice with it, then it becomes more normal, I think, doesn't it? It does become very normal. And again, I, I, I like the fact that, I mean, and I think they deserve, I mean, uh, you know, cards on the table. I've been using Braille Note devices from Humanware since about 2004. So <laughs> probably from before the time when some of your listeners were even around, I've been using Humanware devices. And I've always found them a company who, um, they, they, they tend to innovate in this particular space, you know. So, I mean, I, I remember like, you know, when I got my first Braille note, as I say, it was a, it was a looking back now, it was, it was, it was a clunky old device. But a couple of years later, you had things like uh, a company called Sendero, you know, produced a piece of GPS software for it. I mean, that was a game changer. I think this is an interesting one because what they've tried to do is they have tried to marry the, if you like, the touchscreen experience and the Braille display into a single device and have provided the keyboard essentially, uh, Brian, is it's a separate case. So if you like the 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 the, the Braille no touch device itself is is simply the tablet and the Braille display in one unit. That slots into a case which contains the keyboard. Okay. So you can actually if, if for anybody who doesn't want to use the keyboard, you can literally just unclip two little lashes on the back, slip it out of the device and away you go. So you, if you're not going to use the keyboard, you don't necessarily need to have it. Um, 
the, the, the humanware software itself is, which will come as no surprise to anybody who's used their stuff, rock solid. When you turn the device on first, you get this kind of introductory tutorial that they've actually developed. And I really have to praise them on this. That is one of the most superbly put together introductions to an assistive technology device I've seen. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm not just giving you, you know, a personal viewpoint. I, I've looked at it kind of in terms of the structure, how they've actually put it together, the, 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 the way they've actually guided the user through using the device, setting it up. And I would certainly say to people that for me, that is actually one of the major selling points is how well they've actually provided user guides, help in terms of, you know, you're, you're in a, part of the software and you kind of go, I don't know what I should do here. You press spacebar with the letter H and you get very, very good context sensitive help. So from turning the device on through using the device, through all of that kind of thing, the, the, the actual support, the help and things in there for users is really, really well thought through. Um, if we can get back to the Android side of it there as well, Donald, yeah. the nice thing is like you can use the Play Store and you can download a lot of the Android apps. So like for example the OCR apps. I think there's a camera in the device as well which you can use the OCR with. Isn't that right? You, it actually comes pre-installed and again I'm very glad you mentioned that Brian because it comes pre-installed with KNFB Reader. Um, so out of the box you've got a scanning solution. Now I will say to people you know you've asked me to be very honest during this review I will certainly say to people that this is not a light device. Okay. When you're holding it in its, in its keyboard case and you try to take photographs using KNFB Reader, it is a heavy device. So be warned that it's not like holding your iPhone up above a sheet of paper and take it, an image of it. Um, it, 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 it. There is a bit of meat to it. But the Android, um, the use of Android as opposed to sort of the older ones used to use Windows CE. Um, and Android, is, I mean, for example, on, on this particular thing, I have, oh, what have I got? I've got my Audible uh, app. So, I mean, I can just be lying in bed listening to my Audible books, you know. Um, I've got a Twitter client on there. So you, you, it, what it does give you is access to mainstream as well as the, the, the Keysoft applications that people from previous Braille Note versions would have been used to. You also now have the options to use stock Android apps. Now, again, that again has, has, has pros and cons. You know, you mean you're dependent there on how well the developer has has written the app to be accessible. But if you find an app that's, say, for example, accessible on, I don't know, an Android smartphone, there's nothing to say you can't try that app on your Braille Note with a reasonable expectation that it's going to going to work. Um, I don't have an Android smartphone uh, myself. I, I I use the iPhone, but I, I have spoken to other users who do who who. who have used you know apps like that the other thing i like but that about is the common experience on this uh, channel that the iphone is yeah. far better than the android anyway so we just moving swiftly along yes another advantage to this go ahead sorry so another advantage to this device is the fact that it is tablet format so in a tablet layout so for example you know parents of children using the device can actually monitor what they're writing on the screen and things like that even though the child might be writing in braille it's all presented in text format on the screen as well. So that's another advantage for people who are using Braille to communicate with sighted people. Would, that, would you share that opinion? Oh, I completely share that opinion. I mean, I, I, again, I'll give you a use case of that one. So when, when what we do 
uh, is in, in this household, I have an eight-year-old who is fully sighted. So we would sometimes download books, put them onto the tablet. We read them together. You know, he can actually read, which obviously we're, he's eight, that's what we're encouraging him to do. So he reads uh, and I can follow what he's reading in Braille. Or alternatively, what we do is we actually give him the paper-based version of the book and he reads on paper and I read in Braille. Um, and that is, oh, it's, it's a game changer. I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, I can, if, if I can get hold of his school books, uh, I can, I can, I can work with him. You know, that's in that particular situation, it's great. I mean, we always hear about, you know, certainly in the school setting, um, a blind, a blind student and a sighted parent. We've got a role reversal here in this particular house where you've got the blind parent and the sighted child. And again, it actually works really well in that particular scenario as well. You know, um, on the app as part of the, 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 the software they give you is the Easy Reader Plus app. The, 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 they've, they've gone away from their own. They used to use their own Victor Reader um, software on the Braille Note Twitch. Now they're going with the Dolphin, the Easy Reader. And that links in, you know, with things like like Bookshare, uh, which NCBI have recently become involved with, which is fantastic, by the way. And um, you can get, you know, even if you get books as text files, you can you just pop them on the, the SD card, say on, on your computer, pop the SD card in and away you go. So uh, the stock apps they give you and the Android experience is, is, is very good. What I do like about it, Brian, is that the version of Android is uh, 8.1. So it's not the most recent, but it's 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 not bad. I would like them to update it fairly soon. Um, I hope they do. And again, maybe it's possible to do that and I just haven't done it, you know. But it's 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 a fairly recent version of Android, reasonably recent, um, as in 2017. So it could, it could do a bit of an update. I think it's 2017. Uh, anyway, it's, um, you know, th that gives you a fairly good range of apps that that you know from the Play Store. You just need to check, be very careful when you're downloading an app from the Play Store that it supports Android version 8.1, and um, and then it should it should work reasonably well. Um, if you want something that don't like, I don't. It, it, it's it's quite a noisy device. That's the one thing I will say, Brian. It's it's like if you're pressing buttons. Um, I'll try and just give you. I, I, I'm going to type on the keyboard, and we're on audio, so I'm hoping this comes across. So I'm just typing normally on the keyboard, and you can hear. So it's it's quite a noisy old keyboard, um, which might bother some people. It, 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 I will confess it annoys me. I think it's 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 something they could do a bit of work on. Is the actual the the, the the noise the keyboard. If you press buttons to advance the braille display, they they click. Okay, so it is a bit of a noisy device. Um, if that doesn't bother you, that's great. It annoys me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I suppose just getting back to the keyword as well, the conventional Perkins type keyword. Yeah. Another, I suppose, that the continuum between the various braille notes. Uh, devices, the braille note taker devices, the fact that like the commonality of the different keystrokes. So, for example, the chord L to jump to the top of a screen, the chord you know four five six to jump to the bottom, the chord A to move left, chord four to move right. Like they exist on this particular uh, device as well, don't they? They do, and that again is something they made a conscious decision to do. That what they did was at least this is my understanding of it. They they rewrote the the the, the Keysoft applications to to work on Android, but they kept essentially, if you want to call it the user interface. So the the, the keystrokes that I've been using a lot of them since again, as I said, two thousand and four, still work. 
And I think they deserve huge credit for that so that, that people who don't necessarily want to use the touchscreen can still just work away in the app that they actually feel comfortable with, you know, and and use it's 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 the sighted equivalent, I guess, of of using the same icons, you know, that um you, you might upgrade your, your operating system on your your phone, your computer, your whatever. And Okay, it might look subtly different, but you can still figure out what it's doing because it's got that link with the past, you know. Absolutely. And and, and you're, you're you're absolutely right to, to mention it because that that ability to kind of go, oh, I used to use this on the Apex, and I can still use the same commands, is great. You know, it it, it gives you kind of a seamless move up. Uh, another thing about the um, about the, the, the brain or touch is, I mean, the troubleshooting of it. Like, there's very little troubleshooting goes into it, and when you can reset it, very very straightforward. You can do a soft reset, you can do a hard reset. Obviously, you don't want to be doing a hard reset, but I mean, the, like, the, the, there's not much maintenance in the device either, is there? None. I've had this a couple of years, Brian. I've never had to reset it once. And again, as I say, it's it's you know. I don't use it as often as I probably should. Um, just the, the way my job works and the way things that I actually do works, I, I don't need it as much as 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 you know I I do other devices. If that makes sense, so I could go a couple of weeks without actually using it. You just you just plug it in and away it goes. You know. Yeah. And updating it is very very. I mean, I turned it on this morning and it just popped up and says, "Oh, there's various updates. Do you want to do it? Click yes. Let it do its thing, and it just." Pops back and there you go. Um, getting onto onto wireless networks is fine, uh, which again is something I would obviously recommend that you do. The web browser is basically a version of Chrome. So the lovely thing about this is that if you have Google accounts from other things, like a Gmail account, for example, you know, and you're you've got your Gmail set up on your your iPad or your laptop or whatever, you just because it's again is Android based, you just log in with your various credentials and any cloud services like your 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 Gmail, your calendar, your whatever, just sync across. You know, so you haven't got that thing which you used to have in the past of having to try and get stuff onto. I mean, you've been there, done that, so have I. Mm. You know, the old days, you had to get a load of things before you you, you binned one device. You copied everything onto an SD card. You took it out. You got it onto. <laughs> you put the SD card into the new device. Tried to move everything across. You know, the fact that they are using stock Android, or well, I'm not sure what the stock Android, but certainly a version of Android, and that you can sync your 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 Google accounts with this. Uh, I mean, it, again, because we use that at work, we, we, Gmail provides all of our email and calendar services. And I just logged in and well, my email was there, you know, and that, that was great. That was handy. What about its ability to connect with other devices, like for example, an iPhone or an iOS device? Yeah, it works fine. Uh, there is a Braille terminal on it. So as well as all the stock applications that we've just been talking about, you can simply go into Braille terminal mode, as they call it, and then it just becomes a Braille display. Yeah. And uh, once you're in Braille display mode, you can connect to a laptop, um, a Mac. I'm connected to a Mac here at the minute. And uh, an iPhone, no problem. Um, so it just becomes, as well as being the, the, the note taker, what we've been talking about, it does become Braille terminal and you can just work away and use it as a, as a, as a an input or an output device from your laptop, your iPhone, your iPad or whatever you happen to be using. What about the cost of it, Donald? Have you any idea? 
I don't remember. I'm going to say something in the region of four thousand euro, but I I don't honestly remember what the cost of it actually is. Uh, I, I think from memory we um I I can remember so supporting someone that has this device a number two years ago maybe, and I yeah. think they they paid something like five thousand two hundred for it. You could be right. I, I I may have the exact price in my head. I I I can't honestly remember. Um, uh, talk to humanware. <laughs> uh, I support what you just said there as well, Donald. To remember that it would be an ex VAT price. I mean, if someone gets a device like this, it's very important to ensure or to investigate the possibility of getting your VAT back on any of these devices. So, oh, it's, it's absolutely. I mean, it's and it's it's something that, and I know this from conversations with people that it. it amazes me the number of blind people in the country who don't know that they're actually entitled to this. That if you buy a device, an assistive technology device like a Braille Note Touch or any of the other ones you're covering uh, in this, this this live session, if you pay VAT on them at all, uh, you're entitled to get that VAT back. And it, you know, it's as good in your pocket as the revenue, so, <laughs> so do it. And just from a practical sense, Donald, how, what about its portability? Is it easy to pop into a case and walk away with it? Yeah, it is. It's a bit heavy, Brian. It's my is is one thing I would say. It is is I I wouldn't be carrying this and a laptop in the same backpack. Let me put it to you that way. Mm -hmm. Um, it is a I I've been bringing one or the other, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it is not a light device, I would say. But I mean, if you're only carrying this, it's absolutely fine. Um, it comes. You can just there's a shoulder strap with it. You can just if you want to just carry, it, just throw it across your 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 shoulder, um, or pop it into a into a backpack or a suitcase is is, is fine. But I would certainly be saying that if if you're using a laptop, um, I probably wouldn't be bringing this as well as a laptop. It is very heavy. And that's a very comprehensive overview of the, the Braille Note Touch. And thanks, Donald. You've been a gentleman. And if anyone has any questions or queries about it, just contact us here at NCBI. Give us an email to labs at ncbi.ie. And if we can't field your questions, then we, we know where Donald is, so we'll get them back to him. So thanks, Donald. Pleasure, Brian. I really enjoyed it. And do please, if anybody has questions that uh, that I can help with, do absolutely feel free to pass them, pass them on. It's no problem. Thanks, Donald. So our thanks to both Donald Fitzpatrick and to Brian Manning there as well for giving us a, a good idea of what the Braille Note Touch is all about. Now, don't forget, if you have any questions about any of the devices we're covering, please send them through to labs at ncbi.ie, as was mentioned there, or you can use the Q&A panel just on the right hand side of the screen. So if you do have any questions, uh, we're happy to hear from you as well. So we're going to move on to our final demonstration today. And Karul Amara is talking to JP about the, the Orbit Reader 20. OK, so I'm delighted to be joined by Karul O'Mara, who is going to provide us with a demonstration of the Orbit Reader 20 refreshable Braille display. So Karul, I wonder, could you start off by giving us a, a physical description of the Orbit Reader 20 for anyone who is not already familiar with it? Certainly. Hi, hi, JP. Nice to be with you. Um, look, I'm delighted to show off this machine because it was it was a novel device brought out a couple of years ago and aimed at a low budget market, I think, in, in third world countries, really, set up by a charitable foundation in, in America and aimed to be under $500, which it was. It came out of $400. It was available in the US at uh, about $400, and that's when I bought it in, about a year ago. 
It's a small device. It's about the footprint of a paperback book, um, a standard paperback book, and about twice as thick or as, as thick as a very thick novel. Um, so it fits very handily in a, in, the, in a bag. It even fits in a coat pocket. It weighs about a half pound in weight. As you feel the weight of it, all right, it's not light, um, but it's sturdy. Beautifully made, nice rounded corners, rounded shape, and uh, feels good to the hand. Um, it is devised so that all the controls are at the very back of it. Uh, On-off button, SD reading card, and um, the connection, a, a small USB connection for connecting to computers and other devices. That's all on the very back of it. And then on the top of it, you have standard Braille keys. If people are familiar with the Braille and speak, uh, that has long buttons along the top, six buttons representing the standard quirky, standard uh, Braille layout of the Perkins Brailler. But these are round buttons as against long finger type buttons that the Braille and speak has. And they're arranged along the top of it. And then there's a space bar roughly in the middle of the base, which has a button left and right, which gives you dot seven and eight. Um, it's designed to work in both eight dot braille mode and in seven dot, sorry, six dot braille mode. And then between the two is an unusual device, a little rosette, which is has four buttons around a center button, which is for navigating a cursor, moving it up, down, left and right. And that's used for going through menus, go through items in the menus, or going up and down the screen. Below the space bar then is a braille display of 20 cells. And when it's not in use, those cells are completely invisible. They drop beneath the surface. And you may notice in other electronic braille devices that the braille, when it recesses, leaves them about a half millimeter proud of the surface. So you can feel the dots when they're in recess. In this case, you don't feel them. So there are guide markers just above the row of braille dots at every five braille cells to show where you are in the 20 braille, display, braille cells. It's a 20 braille display, which is why it's called the Orbit 20 reader. And uh, that's all there is on the device itself. To switch it on, you press the button at the back and then the keys pop up. Now, the keys are quite strong and they do rattle. So I'm going to put myself in speaker mode here so you can hear the keys as I switch it on. Now, I'm just pressing it on now. That's the keys coming up. They self-test as they start and then leave themselves ready. They're displaying the first item that the device sees on the file menu or within a file. I'll come to how you use it in a second. We'll finish describing the body of it first. Um, it does not come with a leather covering case, but there are cases available from different case manufacturers. And I use it without a case. It's um, good, a good battery life. 
I would say I've charged this about a month ago or two. Um, I do use it not very often, but it has never needed me to put in the battery since, since a number of weeks. So it's very good battery life. About the internals of the device, then, a lot of people want to know, can it, can it do various functions? So what is it for? It's designed simply to be a reader of Braille files. And then they added note-taking facilities, so it has an editor as well. It doesn't give you date or time, it doesn't translate, it simply reads anything that's given to it for a file. If you give it a standard text file, that shows up as grade one Braille because it's in ASCII code and it will display those in Braille characters, literally character for character. To read a full line of text, which is about 60 characters long, there are um, Braille scroll keys left and right of the Braille display. And these, you can hear a little rattle there, these move the Braille along um, at 20 characters at a time. So you can also set that to auto-scroll. So it'll keep scrolling at your pace, like every, say, 10 seconds, it will scroll to the next 20 and the next 20. So you don't have to keep pressing to move along. And that would take a bit of practice to get used to. But eventually, a lot of users of the Orbit say that that's very comfortable and they can continuously read by pacing themselves to that refresh. Okay. Cool. I wonder, could, could you tell us, is the Orbit Reader a standalone device or, or can it be used with another system? So, for example, could you connect it with your smartphone or could you connect it with your Windows or Mac, Mac computer? Absolutely you can. It is both. It is a standalone and uh, connect a remote device for connecting with other systems to give you a brain display uh, that connects by Bluetooth or by USB cable and will connect with a number of other devices uh, right. in turn, not at the same time, but in turn. Yes. Yes. Now, so um, I've used it with the iPhone and the voiceover in the iPhone then drives it automatically. Uh, everything that the iPhone says comes up in Braille on it. You can also control the iPhone from it using the standard Braille manipulation keys. Um, there's, there's sort of pattern to them. See, I, my background is I used a Braille display for with Blazy, and that was a brilliant device. And so I got very fluent in using Braille to manage computers and manage systems. So for me, it's easy enough to think of manipulating a device using the Braille keys. For a person who's only reading Braille, they they may have a bit of learning to do to learn the commands and how to control them. Yes. That's all available in the user manual as how to yeah. do that. Okay. Uh, I suppose, Akrul, I suppose in many ways, then the, the Orbit Reader could be considered, I suppose, like a three-in-one device insofar as it can serve as your book reader, a note-taker, and as you mentioned, a Braille display if you were to connect it to a computer or a smartphone. So I wonder, like, could you elaborate maybe on, on this for us and just tell us a bit perhaps about how straightforward it is, or, or not if it's the case, to switch between and use the three different modes? Yes, the, 
there, there are specific key patterns used to switch between the modes. Taking advantage of that space bar with its dot seven and its dot eight, combined with the rosette in the middle, which gives you a select button and four different arrow movements up, down, left, and right. A combination of those keys enable the connection to uh, remote devices or standalone. And once you enable the, that mode, um, it's, it's, it's already communicating with your other device and the handshaking is very clean, very simple. I've had no complications at all in handshaking together. Excellent. Um, in terms of the in remote mode, it's probably the most interesting bit to talk about because as a device, it is self-contained. It does allow you to take notes and it does allow you to read material. It doesn't have much memory in it. It works everything off the SD card. And an SD card is a tiny little electronic card about the size of, of a half a post, postage stamp that slips into the back of it. And this can be read on an, with an SD card reader in any computer or remote device that can read cards. So you can put files on the card, take the card out of your device and put it into the orbit and the orbit will then read from the card. It treats the card um, very much as um, any USB drive or disk drive that people might know about. Internally then it has a file manager which uh, manages everything on the SD card and allows you to create files, rename them, delete them and open folders, move files around on the card, move them into folders and that's all very handy and nice and neat. To read a file, you use the Braille space O to open the file that you're pointing to, or the select button in the middle will do it. Yes. And um, then the file will open under the Braille display at the, at the first line, or if you have read the file previously and just dropped out of it, when you come back in, you'll be come back in at the same place you left it. So if you were reading a book or a document and you got to line 240, when you come back in again, you don't have to look for that line, it'll open again on line 240 oh. and you carry on from there. Uh, Automatically sets a bookmark in the document. Yes, uh, that's a really, really useful feature. Cool, I'm aware that there are other versions of the Orbit Reader due to become available, so I wonder could you tell us a little bit about these? So obviously we have the Orbit Reader 20 that's available at the moment, but I believe there are, are a couple of other Orbit Readers that are uh, due for release. There are, there, there's an enhancement to this one, <clears throat> which is called the Orbit 20 Plus, which requires a change in the motherboard. So it has to be sent back to them to do a bit of hardware changing. And then it comes back to give you the, it gives you the Braille translator and date and time functions. Right. Uh, for the moment, the, the reader itself is not designed to translate anything. It's a purely passive device. The most it'll do is allow you to edit and create a new file and save that. <laughs> 
other nice feature of it is it's designed for students who are studying, who are reading a book, um, and then they want to make notes as they read. And so to do that, you would nearly think that to close the file and go out to an edited document, close the editor and come back to the file again. It gives you an instant jump to the last file edited. With a special edit pattern of dots. And it is a toggle. So you press that, it's like um, a space, uh, space U, and that'll jump you to the last um, document edited. And you press that again, and it jumps you back to the browser where you were. So you can quickly open the editor, make a few notes, jump back again. And you are always adding and adding and adding. So you read on, read on in your file, jump to your editor again and add a few notes. You're going to be appending all your notes to the previous ones. That's a very good feature. Okay, excellent. And um, the confusing I, thing in it is uh, the plethora of menus, which okay. isn't good. Cool. I understand there's going to be a, an Orbit Reader 40 that will be available as well, um, which I believe will have the cursor reader buttons. Uh, it'll obviously be a, a 40 cell version of the Orbit Reader, which will be, could be useful to some people. Um, I understand there's some features like it'll be able to connect to up to five different Bluetooth devices, connect to a Bluetooth keyboard. It'll feature a USB-C port, so seen from the micro USB-B port on, on the earlier versions. And again, it'll be at a more, I suppose, affordable price for as, as regards to as, 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 as refreshable fail space go. Does this, something, does this sound like something that you would be interested in, an Orbit Reader 40? Not really. I mean, it's 40 characters long, so it's going to be much bigger. This is 20 characters, so it'll be going to be twice the width, about the same size as a desktop computer nearly, computer keyboard, sorry. Um, the part of the main, it'll be as wide as the main keyboard, the QWERTY part of your, your standard keyboard. So it makes quite a big device. Um, I wouldn't be terribly keen on that. Other people do because there are those who like, when they're reading Braille, like the physical movement of the arm as reading it, as with the paper. Okay. Um, the 40 lets you go up to the equivalent of the paper version of the document. So yeah, that's attractive to people. I think that um, the the Orbit 40 is only available on or on spec. Like you can only read about it and read about what it will do, but there's not no device there to see yet. It's still being developed. They do have other displays. They have a, a, a Braille keyboard. Uh, sorry, they have. Um, Yes, and the Braille keyboard allows you to manage an external device with Braille keys, but it doesn't hold any information. It's just simply a keyboard to link to a device like your voiceover or, or a computer. Yes, 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 yes. okay. And, uh, that, I think, is a couple of Okay, uh, I suppose then, Kuril, like bearing in mind the vast range of professional Braille displays that are available, like why do you think someone might want to for the Orbit Reader 20 over other displays. So like, what is it that makes it stand out from, from everything else? Is, is it the price and maybe how light and, and portable it is? Light and portable and the price, definitely. And okay. it's stylish, it's, it's a good shape, it feels good in the hand, it's worth it. Um, so Karul, 
I just want to say thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us today uh, about the Orbit Radar 20. It's, it's much appreciated. Um, just to tell our listeners, with regards to, to the Orbit Radar 20, for anyone who wants to purchase one, it is available from the NCBI. It's obviously a significantly lower price compared to other refreshable Braille displays available, as Perul has referred to. I think, you know, generally speaking, I don't, there's, little, there's little doubt that the Orbit Radar has considerably reduced the, the cost of refreshable Braille. And I think in turn, it has made it much more available to people who perhaps may not have been in a position to use it in the past. And I think that's really, really encouraging. So, Carulison, thank you so much for, for joining us. And just to let our listeners know, uh, if they want to find out more about the Orbit Radar 20 or arrange a demonstration, uh, they can call NCBI Labs on 1850 92 30 60, or they can email labs at ncbi.ie. And perhaps, if you don't mind, Carul, our listeners might even be able to reach out to yourself if they have any queries about the device. I would be delighted indeed. I would, and I, I would warn them that they will need to be introduced to it by somebody because um, the it's a, it's a com- programming is so compact that it takes a little bit of getting used to. The fact that it doesn't have a desktop, that it's driven off the file menu, that's a little bit of learning to be shown sure. how, how that really works because okay, so. I, I found people approach it as if it was a computer uh, yes. because we're all used to desktops and laptops and so on. Yeah. And this has slightly different focus from that. So I'd be delighted if anybody has any queries. I'd be delighted to give a hand and to explain and to take people through it indeed. Fantastic. Kirill, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Not at all. Thanks for asking me. Thank you. Thank you, Kirill. Very good. So thanks very much to both Karul O'Mara and of course to JP Corcoran for uh, taking us through that information about the Orbit Reader 20. Now we're going to bring Brian Manning back in in a moment just to chat about some of those things that we've been talking about already. But first of all, we'd like to welcome Carol Byrne of the NCBI Library Service to the show. You're very welcome to the show, Carol. Hi Jude, thanks for having me. Carol, tell us a little bit about what your job entails in in the NCBI uh, library service, the Braille editor. That's what you're doing, isn't it? That's right. Well, I'm the Braille editor and um, I was laughing at Brian there um, because I learned Braille as well by sight and I learned it in 2016 and I also did it on the Perkins Brailler. So I don't think things have changed much now in all these years. It's still still effective. Um, So I learned UEB Braille in 2016. And I transcribe Irish interest books into Braille and I do that using Duxbury software and that's a translation software and it's compatible with Microsoft Word. So that's what I do. And we run a client led service in that um, a library member will request an Irish interest book off me. And if I can't get a digital copy from a publisher um, I'll scan the book into a Word document and we use volunteers in the library. So I'll have a volunteer um, editor scan it for errors, especially if it's scanned or Sometimes if it comes from a PDF, um, the words and some letters don't scan properly. Like for instance, an F will always go into a pound sign or uh, an I might go into a one. So these just need to be picked up. Okay. Um, when it's ready in Word, that's when I put it into um, Duxbury. So mainly what I do is I'd scan it for um, just minor glitches and a lot of time it's just formatting and spacing. Um, but sometimes it's um, things that Duxbury doesn't pick up. Like for instance, if um, the abbreviation for information technology is IT and it should read as two separate uh, letters like I and T. Um, but Duxbury might read it as the, the word it and then contract it just to one symbol. So little things 
things like that. Um, that I, that's what I would look out for. Um, when I'm finished the document, uh, I emboss it. Uh, I separate the pages. I bind it and I catalog it, and then it's ready to send out to uh, any service user that wants it. Then. Oh, brilliant. So there's a, a fair bit involved in the in the process, but definitely a really valuable service. You mentioned there about UEB. What's UEB? What what can you tell us about UEB and um, even Ireland's kind of changeover to UEB? Yeah. Um, well, what we used before was SEB. That's Standard English Braille. Um, and UEB is United English Braille. So um, all the English speaking countries now have like a national code uh, which makes learning easier and just um, it just unifies everything so we can share resources and it's easier to thought or to teach. Um, UEB, it took over 20 years to develop. So it started um, in 1991. Um, in 2004, the ICEB, that's the International Council for English Braille, um, advised other member countries to uh, adopt it. So all the English speaking countries have. So we have Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Nigeria, South Africa, the UK, America, and of course, Ireland. So we're all using uh, UEB Braille. Oh, okay. Um, Go ahead. Uh, INBAF was set up in 2012, so that stands for the Irish National Braille Alternative uh, Format Association. Um, so they were really key in bringing uh, UEB uh, forward. That's uh, NCBI, the National Braille Production in Child Vision and Arbor Hill. So um, they were instrumental in bringing it and, and then rolling it out and um, educating people on it. So um, they, they're still in operation today. So they're kind of like a go to for any alternative formats or, or UEB queries. Brilliant, very good. So when you when you're talking about that changeover, then is there a big difference in the in the systems? Is UEB very different to SEB? What are what are some of the main changes? Um, no, there it's it's not very different. I suppose I deal primarily with literary braille, so that's just um, word braille, uh, like letters and words. Um, so for the standard reader who's reading, say, uh, an ordinary novel, it's not a, a huge difference. So it, they should find the transition easy enough. Um, there are some changes, like a lot of the contractions, or sorry, nine of the contractions are actually dropped. So um, B L E uh, C O M double D um, A L L Y by uh, o'clock to and into these are all dropped um, this makes the learning of it easier and um, just to give you an example um, say double d is dropped because it also reads as a full stop so um, for instance if uh, there was a web address um, and it was in seb like uh, the double d could mean double d or a full stop so it just it just um, takes away that ambiguity and makes it um, easier um, another big difference is um, the spacing. So in SEB, some um, some words were OK to put together like and, for, with, um, the and of. So just to keep it more to the, the print version, um, it's separate. So UEB, um, it's easier to transcribe into Braille and apparently it's easier for for Braillers to transcribe into print. So it keeps it very close to the uh, the print version. Very good. Thanks very much for um, taking us through some of that, Carol. We really appreciate it. We're going to bring Brian Manning back in now as well. Um, so, uh, Brian, maybe if just kind of returning to some of the devices that we were looking at before, we've seen three different devices. Just kind of briefly to review some of those um, devices, what, would there be any kind of major big differences between them if people were trying to decide what was the right one for them? 
Well, I suppose that, that's a subjective question to the extent that it's up to each person's individual experience and opinion. You know, it's, it's like, I suppose the analogy would be like, which of us would, would we prefer, the iPhone or the Android? It's the same type of question, which would you prefer, the Braille Note Touch or the Braille uh, Polaris? Um, I suppose for people, depending on what people are using the, the device for as well. I mean, if people are using it in an office setting and it's a standardized, structured office setting, then they may prefer a big large large braille display like the um like a native cell display yes. or if a person for example is using it in education i know i already referred to this a while ago but in education the braille sense polaris is being used an awful lot a lot of the visiting teachers and a lot of uh, the, the, the snas have trained now in the braille sense polaris mainly because of the fact that it has the lcd and it has the ability to allow the uh, to, to allow non-braille users i suppose to interact with braille users um, so yeah, you will find that the Braille Sense Polaris has been used an awful lot in in uh, colleges and in schools around the around the country. So, yeah. and again, I mean, if you're using your Braille display on the on the foot on the hoof, so then the smaller Braille displays would um, would definitely come into um, come into their own. So, for example, like if you're using if you're if you're a deaf blind person on the on the uh, moving around with your Braille display, then a 14 cell display would be very very useful. Yeah. Um, and again. And I suppose if you're looking at the more at the more recent developments around braille displays, I suppose uh, we've already chaptered the, um, the 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 advances in the different braille in the history, the chronology of the braille displays. And I suppose the next chapter in that development would be the the, the invention or the um, the emergence of the multi-line braille displays. Um, traditionally, or up to now, we've had single-line displays like the eighty, the the forty, or the smaller twenty or fourteen cell displays. Whereas now it's more um, more and more the multi-line braille displays are starting to roll out we have the canoes for example at the moment which is an e-reader it's an e-reader uh, braille display that has multi-line uh, braille text on it um i suppose the um I suppose the the, the 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 reason why that was being why there was a restriction on the development of multi-line braille displays up to now is the actual cost of each individual braille cell, which is very very prohibitive. And I mean, you know, like the the the, the price of the braille display did go in parallel with the amount of cells that it had. So therefore, you could take almost for granted that you know a twenty-cell display would be not quite half the cost, but almost half the cost of a forty-cell display, because um, the, such is the nature nature of the actual cost of each individual braille cell. But again, because of technologies, as Carol has alluded to a while ago with the um with the um with the 20 cell orbit braille display, I mean that has reduced the cost of, 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 of the production of braille cells and so therefore that is allowing or enabling the development of the multi-line braille displays as well. Yeah, it's interesting actually just to hear kind of those extra developments along, along with these braille display, displays as well. And of course, as you mentioned, um, one of the factors that might be uh, a, uh, a help to people as they're deciding which one is just simply cost. So some of the some of the um, differences are fairly obvious differences and somebody can base their decision on on just preference, as you say. So just tell us something, um, Brian, moving on from maybe some of the things that we've already been discussing through the through the show. Um, tell me, is there anything else exciting happening in the world of Braille? Well, well it, this is in-house, I suppose, or this is um, something internal to NCBI, myself, Derek Carroll, and, and more uh, recently, Carol, Carol Amar has got involved with us. We've been looking at the different um, ways and the different uses that we could employ these Braille displays, for example, to help the everyday lives of people with dual sensory loss, people who are deafblind. 
and so forth. Obviously, because of the dual sensory loss, because of the nature of the disability inherent to blind deaf blindness, there's a lot of isolation obviously being experienced by these people. And so, for example, we've been using that the, the, these um, these braille displays as, as a possible instrument of, of, of greater inclusion for deaf blind people. So, for example, we now know that the Focus 40 or the Focus 14 braille display connects through Bluetooth to an iPhone. The iPhone has different apps, such as the stock app, like the notes app or you can download the pages app to it for example now internal to these apps you have a great dictation facility so you can just tap the dictation button and speak your your, your message or speak your note or speak your document so what is now stopping a deafblind person from going to you say a social uh, a social setting with his iphone with his uh, connected bluetooth 14 tapping the or asking a question like you know is there a chicken menu on this option is there a chicken option on this menu to a waiter will say tapping yeah. the dictate button on the dict on the, the Braille display, which is easily done, and whatever answer is given by the uh, by the waiter, yes, there is a chicken vindaloo. The, the deafblind person can just read it. Or in a pub setting, you know, they can ask the person next to them what's the score in the match. Tap the dictate uh, button. The person is obviously going to say, you know, uh, three nil or two fourteen to one five, and the deafblind person can just read it and ask the next question. You, you know, what's left in the match? And again, as the person answers, it comes up on the braille display. So, I mean, in, in real terms, there's nothing stopping a deafblind person from now going out into his own community and having these conversations that perhaps up to now they couldn't have had. Now, what I'd like to see, and what like, what would be uh, something that NCBA would like to support or even sponsor, if, if possible, would be the development of a speech-to-braille app. I mean, we have text to we have speech-to-text apps. You know, it, it, and they're almost built into these um, into these apps that we're using on an everyday basis. Now, it can't be too much of a step to develop a dedicated speech-to-braille app where, you know, a deafblind person can go in this community, just tap one button, have the mic opened, the person, a sighted person can just speak whatever it is they want to speak, and the deafblind person can read it on the braille display. Just imagine, just imagine, you know, the enhancement to quality of life that would involve for a deafblind person. And another thing that we've been looking at, and again, Karul has been very, very helpful to us on this one, would be, uh, and again, like these technologies exist, it's just, I suppose, uh, generating awareness of their existence would be, for yes. example, the ability, the ability for these um, braille displays to pick up subtitles. So, for example, on your iOS device now, with the proper settings in place, um, that we 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 managed to to, to to figure out what the settings are. Now you can connect your, you know, you can have your uh, your your braille display connected to your iPhone. We just say in Netflix, activate Netflix, bring up subtitles, and have the subtitles read from the braille display. Now I would qualify what I say there by stating that you would have to be a really, really good quick brailleist or quick reader of braille to be able to follow the subtitles. But I mean, if you are like a lot of deafblind people are quite, you know, frenetic braille users and quite fast braille users. So they should, they, they, they would be, there will be situations where they can't follow subtitles. So therefore that opens an entire whole range of media for deafblind people, for them to be able to, you know, go into these, for example, into YouTube. And if there are subtitles in the YouTube, just activate 
the, the, the subtitles and read them through the uh, the braille display. So again, that's a huge door that could be that can be potentially opened for deafblind people. And myself, Derek, and as I say, uh, more recently, Carol has got involved with us, and we're finding like, okay, it's like the big question. I mean, if you can't do this, then why can't you do it? What yes. we're discovering now is that you can actually do it. It's just we need to generate the uh, the, the awareness and the training for the deafblind person to be able to do it and for to um for the trainer to for, for to generate that training for everyone really you know yeah and absolutely and, and i i think it's it's good for people to hear that as well because as we've spoken about before just the awareness of some of the possibilities that are out there can create a little bit, bit of momentum so uh, it's good for people to to know that some of these things are are, are possible um so and if anyone has any questions or if the family of anyone out there that has any questions around any of you know the the, the innovations that myself derek accrued have been working for please don't hesitate to, to contact us at, at labs at ncbi.ie and I, I, I mean, like people with deaf blindness, people with dual sensory loss, I suppose that they, 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 they were always the people that fell between two stools. I mean, you know, do the deaf associations, you know, support them, do LCBI support them, the blind support, vision impaired support agencies support them. No, I suppose it's an opportunity for everyone to get together and maybe get a synergy going where we can all jump on board and we can all help these people because I mean they did the, the, the prospects for inclusion that these that these braille technologies kind of open up to these people are huge and really really it's a, it's a well that needs to be tapped you know we need to, to we need to, to get in there and we need to get that that awareness out there absolutely and I think that's a, a good kind of message just to conclude on even here because that's the that's what we want to be able to do is to support as many as possible and this is certainly an area which can be very powerful in, in being able to do that so thanks very much for for that Brian appreciates the work that you've done for um, putting together some of the demos for today as well and uh, giving us a good overview of what's happening in in the world of Braille and of course uh, as always just as Brian mentioned there if uh, if you've been listening to the show and you've been feeling that you maybe need a little bit of support uh, with some of the these devices if you have one or if you want a little bit more information you can always call the technology support line on 1850 923060. sorry 923060. let me read that again 1850 923060. or you can email labs at ncbi.ie and of course broader broader than that you can uh, contact ncbi for a, a range of different issues surrounding sight loss on 1850 or email info at ncbi.ie. And finally, if, you, if you'd like to support our services, you can uh, go to donate.ncbi.ie. So that's donate.ncbi.ie. But for today, we're pretty much at the end of our live event. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that kind of fairly specific look at, at uh, some of the Braille devices out there. And uh, again, if you have any questions that maybe you didn't get a, an opportunity to put in today, but you'd uh, like to, to find out a little bit more, do, do let us know and we'll do our best to come back to you with the answers. But for the coming weeks, Let's uh, just have a bit of a look at, at what's coming up in the coming weeks. Well, next week, particularly, we're going to look at accessible household equipment. So you might recall a few weeks ago when we were speaking to Stuart Lawler, this was one of the areas that uh, hopefully we, we would see a bit of progress on in the future. Some of the um, accessible household uh, tech sort of uh, advancements. Well, there's some things that are out there already, and it's maybe good just to 
spend a little bit of time looking at some of the devices that are out there already. So we'll we'll be having a, a bit of a look at that. We'll also be looking at a future um, live event. We'll be looking at typing tutors and also another subject that we'll look at in the future is choosing a handheld magnifier. What what you need to know when you're uh, thinking about a handheld digital magnifier. Um, how can you make that evaluation? So that will be coming up in the, the coming weeks as well. Just uh, important to remind you as well that after next week we'll be going to um, one live event every month so that'll be after next week so we'll still be here for next week and we'll uh, give you a reminder again next week about that as well and of course if you want to keep up with what's happening um, with any of these live events or the latest news as well or various other uh, information tips then you can sign up for our newsletter to keep you informed um, so you can visit our website ncbi.ie and go to the technology page or if you like you can email labs at ncbi.ie and uh, we'll make sure that you're added to that uh, that list for the newsletter so we're pretty much at, a, at an end so i'd like to thank our guests for today we have a, a number of guests today of course really appreciate the contributions of uh, donald fitzpatrick and carol o'mara and uh, carol byrne as well as uh, brian manning as well for joining our regular team here uh, this week so thanks very much to all our co contributors our panelists and uh, we look forward to seeing you all again next week for the next ncbi labs live event